Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Nagler's Never Right. Another off-season edition. Um, have a great, great convo with Elliot Harrison of NFL Network coming up. Uh, we talk about free agency, a little touch, a little bit on the draft. Uh, and then we go on a pretty deep dive uh, about greatest Packers ever, chiefly looking at the three quarterbacks, Bart Starr, Brett Favre, and Aaron Rodgers. I didn't plan for that to happen, but... Um, we definitely went there, and it was a it was a great convo. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Take a listen to Elliot Harrison here on Nagler's Never Right. City of Angels, Mr. YouTube Provocateur himself. He's the man over there at NFL Media doing everything, purveyor of power rankings, uh, mischief maker, beater down of trolls everywhere across the Twitterverse. It's Elliot Harrison. Elliot, thank you so much for joining me today. Am I a beater downer of trolls? You do a good job of it. Like What I admire about your work when it comes to the, uh, the people who try to step to you on Twitter, what, what I admire about it is your ability to be completely rational uh, and yet make them look like complete fools. You do a very, it's a depth, it's a very kind of fine line that I don't think a lot of people understand how hard it is to walk, but you do a fine job of it. I appreciate that, Clark. <laughs> Very nice. How are you, sir? How's uh, how's uh, the West Coast? I'm I'm good. I you know it's not often that I get to talk strictly Packers, which I you know I know we're gonna you know do some cursory looks at other teams, sure, kind of. But sure, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of cool to do a deep dive. You know what I'm saying? So right, yeah. whenever whenever you're ready to talk Brent Fullwood, and uh, <laughs> nice. that's <laughs> you know, phenomenal. That is phenomenal. Uh, give, Vince Workman. Vince Workman. Look at you. I love it. Well, to give people just a real quick background, Elliot DM'd me out of like nowhere yesterday and asked if we could have a quick chat um, for some stuff he was doing over there at NFL Network. So I'm pretty much just kind of piggybacking off of that conversation. And as I told Elliot before we started recording, I'm just going to try and remember everything we talked about yesterday. And uh, you'll, you'll have to shoehorn me in on, on the things I forget. We'll start with... Mr. Ted Thompson and uh, free agency coming up. Obviously, the combine is coming up next week, um, and draft talk will really kick off then. Uh, but looking at free agency, um, we all know Ted's kind of reticence at uh, dipping his toes into those waters. Now, we know, I think your colleagues there at NFL Network and others have reported that they think Ted Thompson will be a bit more active this offseason. It feels like we've been down this road before, but. Are you buying that? And do you think this means, you know, a little bit more action in second or third levels of free agency? Or do we really maybe possibly think we're going to see a white whale and, and see Ted Thompson active on the opening 48 hours of free agent activity? Wow. Well, I think he has to be more active to answer your first question. And to me, that's right. two separate questions, Aaron, mm -hmm. because, you know, you can be extremely active in free agency and go get a guy like D'Angelo Williams. Now, I'm not talking about the Packers getting D'Angelo Williams this year. I just mean what the Steelers were able to do two years ago. Right. Nobody paid attention. And how important was he 
uh, for them when Le'Veon Absolutely. Bell went down. Exactly. You, you always have the guys like that. I think he has to be because look at the free agents the Packers have. Uh, you're you're potentially losing Nick Perry and Julius Peppers from a group that you really can't afford to lose Nick Perry and Julius Peppers <laughs> from, right? right. Exactly. Uh, you know, they, they traded Sitton to the Bears. Okay, that's that's done. Yesterday's news, well, they right? Cut him, but, they cut him and, they, and he signed, but yeah. Same, whatever. Yeah, he, they he, lost him. They let him go. That, right. That's the point. They let him walk, right. okay? Uh, and I... It's funny because we get into the weeds with all that stuff. Mm. Basically, these days with trade cutting, as we see with Tony Romo, it's right. is he going to stay on the team or not? No. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, TJ Lang, I don't think is going to be. So you're talking about letting go of two really uh, above average at right. worst, uh, good players at best, right? Yeah. Uh, very from the good. same position yeah. group over the last year. Uh, I just don't think that they can afford to sit back. But most importantly, and just so that I make my answer even more long-winded, is <laughs> can you really rely on Aaron Rodgers being historically good for six or seven games to get you into the playoffs every year? You can't. You, right. you've, got, you, you've got to assume there's going to be a drop-off in Rodgers' game uh, this year. Some kind of drop-off, just because nobody can play at that level all the time. And if he didn't play at that level last year there's no way they make the playoffs they might not have even made the playoffs if matt stafford hadn't hurt his finger yeah uh, it's so funny every year it seems there's always those kind of caveats you know you look at the year that the packers won the super bowl in, in 2010 if you know you can you can play the what if game like what if uh deshaun jackson doesn't return that punt you know against, right against the giants the packers aren't even in the playoffs to make that run you know so there there are you know myriad things that you can point to in regards to you know, ability to get to the playoffs, et cetera. However, I totally agree. You look at Rodgers play last year and yes, he played like a man possessed down the stretch there, but it, that level of play certainly wasn't there early in the season. And when they needed the rest of the roster to rise up, it, it provided, you know, it was pretty difficult because they don't have, especially on defense, they don't have a ton of difference makers. And that's why I think, you know, if, if Ted Thompson is going to get a little bit more active in free agency, it's got to be, I would tend to think, on the defensive side of the ball. Right. And there's, you know, it's not like the Packers don't have any cap room. They do. Right. Uh, right. Look, do they, you know, right. are they are they up there with Cleveland and San Francisco and, and those guys in Tennessee? No. Okay. But they, they have the room to at least make some moves. And, and what you and I talked about yesterday the first mm-hmm. area that I started with you when with my random direct message on Twitter, uh, <laughs> right. you know, at least mine was appropriate. I mean, a lot of the DMs that you get, I mean, let me tell you. But I mean, oh, man. first place I went was, hey, what do you think about a veteran corner? Because you've got these young kids in the secondary, even the guys that can play, you know, uh, Clinton Dix right. is, is young at safety as well. Yeah. Why not pick up a guy who's versatile? Uh, who who's a little bit older, who comes on the cheap, whether it's Nolan Carroll, uh, Darius Butler for the uh, Colts as a free agent, somebody right. like that. Mm-hmm. And I know it's funny because I agree because those are the type of guys that you're going to have to look at. Because I get, you know, I do Facebook live streams a couple times a week and I'm on Twitter all the time. And I get all these suggestions from fans, guys like, you know, Stefan Gilmore. And I'm just, I'm just, which, uh, you know, Drives which, me crazy. Which Ted Thompson have you been watching the last, right. you know, 10 years? Th- those guys are going to get paid 
insane amounts of money in the first 48 hours of free agency when Ted Thompson is most likely going to be holed up watching tape of some, you know, Division three tight end. So, oh, dude, it, it, it drives me crazy. I mean, like you go <laughs> in right now and like pull up the Rams and say, hey, top five free agent targets. Yeah. Kirk Cousins, Le'Veon Bell, <laughs> uh, Eric Berry. Like, oh, come on, man. You know, I know. Exactly. You got to know where teams are financially. You have to know what what their M.O. is as right. an organization. And I think with the Packers, like, you know, with every team, whether it's salary cap, whether it's needs with the Packers, the first consideration is this time of year for me every year is organizational MO right? Uh, more than any other team. The Packers are the hardest and it's because mm-hmm. bless their heart. They have been wonderful at draft and retain. That's right. what they do. And it's really hard to decipher. I mean, even getting Jared cook surprised me, frankly. Yeah. I, it surprised me as well. Although it, de- it definitely fit the MO in the sense that it, there's a guy, this is something else we talked about. There's a guy who sat on the street, for yes. you know, a good long while prior to um, even getting a meeting with Green Bay. And that's how Ted has operated. Traditionally, he will let that first and second wave kind of filter out, and then he'll see what's left. And then see, but, it, dude, you're in a subset sense. MO. You're right. in a subset MO. See, there's <laughs> right. the MO of not being that active in free agency. Right. Then there's the Ted Thompson, I'm going to let him wait MO before I do sign a guy. Right. It's kind of like in back to school when Rodney Dangerfield had to take his exam to pass <laughs> and the business professor said, I'm only going to ask oh you one God. question in 27 pots. I don't oh know if you remember. That of course I do. Of course. My yeah. God, I can't, I, I'm sure we lost just about like 90% of our audience, but you and I were there. We are there. Okay. Let's go to a different it. guy here. Cause I know you don't remember <laughs> our conversation in full. No, not I at all. I threw out, this was a scenario I gave you. All right. I said, I said, Aaron, one in a thousand, one in a hundred, one in fifty, one in ten chance the Packers would even look at Jamal Charles if he got cut. You said yeah, one well, in fifty. I said one in fifty, right? I want to amend my answer to one in a hundred. Um, okay, but uh, it's a, it would fit the mo in the sense that he would he would be a guy who had been cut, and it is an area of need. Whether Packer fans want to admit it or not, because everyone seems in my Twitter feed at least seems to have Ty Montgomery already penciled in for Canton, Ohio, as a running back. And, you know, I think if last year taught you anything in Green Bay, it's that you need at least two, if not three, running backs at all times, uh, rather than having your wide receivers back there for 50% of the snaps. Uh, I think Jamal Charles would be an amazing addition. I tend to think, again, this is a guy who's going to get paid, and I don't see Ted Thompson opening up the checkbook to do it, especially at a position where – he hasn't traditionally put a ton of, you know, resources, a bunch of capital in, you know, whether yeah. it's high draft picks or or big money contracts. It's just not how he, he's operated traditionally. Will you help me out here? Is anyone on the Packers currently wearing number 31? 31. I don't. Oh God. Off the top of my head. I don't think so. But I'm going to okay. cheat. I'm going to cheat now and go to the team website. So keep talking. Yeah, so go go you know. to your <laughs> Packers program sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue. Look it up. <laughs> But you can uh-huh. give Ty Montgomery Jim Taylor's former number. That doesn't mean the guy's going to go for 23 carries a game. Uh, Ty Montgomery was really effective in what, you know, kind of playing chess with the defense. Right. But I saw plenty of times last year, the Bears game comes to mind in particular, where yep. he tapped out. Yep. Where he, like, looked at the sideline and said, okay, I'm, I'm good. I can use a breather. 
or I just got, you know, I just got, he's not a, he's not a tailback, uh, you know, by trade. Right. He's played that position. I get it, but I don't think you just slap number 31 on Ty Montgomery and say, okay, we're good. You know, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I think you've got to, you've got to augment the position. And right now he's like it as far as guys who are under contract. And of course they don't have Taylor's number given out. I didn't even think of that, but, uh, I didn't know they retire it. I, I, they may. I think they did. No, they remember. didn't because Gary Ellis. Uh, oh, that's Gary right. Gary no, Ellis, no, no, no. Eddie Lee Ivory. No, no. You uh, know who? You know who retired Taylor's board. number? The Saints retired Taylor's number, but the Packers haven't. That's what it is. That's weird. It is right, but it's true. Because I, they have, they've retired so few numbers comparative to lots of other teams. The Packers. I have a 1968 tops Jim Taylor card. Oh my god! And in the hot. corner, it's got the Saints logo on it. But That's the people amazing. at Tops just used a Packers, An old Packers picture, photo. so they're still wearing a Packers <laughs> uniform. And they hadn't quite gotten to the spot in the '70s when they started painting over the guys' uniforms. Sure, so sure. yeah, so I have my Jim it. Taylor Packers Saints card. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. You're you're always good for that, by the way. If anyone who's listening is not following Elliot on Twitter, they should really rectify that because you're really good at the old school Packer stuff. Whether it's you know paying homage to the classic teams, the Lombardi teams. Uh, or singing the praises of Lynn Dickey, one of the most you know underrated quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. You're good with all of that. I'm always I, very impressed. I love it. Lynn Dickey, 1983, 4,400 yards passing. And I remember I was a kid. We were watching. Uh, we were watching a Cowboy game, and Brent Musburger kept breaking in uh, with the CBS NFL Today update. I love and it. And James Lofton had caught another pass against the Bucks for a touchdown, <laughs> and they beat him like 55-14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harlan Huckleby went to the house. Look at that, that name. That, your name recognition is amazing. That's awesome. Harlan Huckleby. Wow. That's amazing. So what about TJ Lang? That, that's the, that's the yeah, big one for me. Yeah, is, yeah. is he coming back? Are the Dolphins going to get him? And that means the Packers have to go get a guy like Warford. Uh, late of the Lions. What what happens there? Yeah, you know, I keep telling anybody who listen, I would bring him back. If I'm Ted Thompson, I've got that $43 million in cap space sitting there. I mean, wh- who else are you bringing back other than TJ Lang? You know what I mean? Like, that's a perfect kind of guy I want to bring back. And I want, you mentioned it before, as far as they've already let sit and walk because they had a capable capable replacement in Taylor. You look at Lang, who do you have sitting around that's ready to replace him? With Taylor, you knew a, you had a guy who had started two games before that, you know, the previous season. You had tape on him. You knew what you had, so to speak. If you let Lang walk, you're walking into a humongous question mark. And this is something Thompson's done before, and it's really backfired on him. When he, you know, let capable, really very good guards walk in free agency, he did the same thing in the safety position a few years ago when he cut Woodson. It, it was like, you know, it's all well and good to be moving on from these guys because it's their third contract or because they're getting old. But if you don't have a viable replacement slash plan in place, man, I don't know. And that's really been the thing that's bit him so many times. And to me, like I said, I would bring him back. I'll be shocked if Thompson actually does. Well, I've taken more of a deep dive in Tecmo Super Bowl lately than I have on the Packers (laughs) practice squad, but I don't really know who you have back there developmentally right. you know right. uh well there's for example there's a kid patrick who they they like and he played a little bit he looked good in preseason last year but it was very in very limited time 
Okay. So, like, one of the guards that's going to hit the market that's going to have a market is Ronald Leary of the Cowboys. Right. Uh, but they've got Lyle Collins, uh, who they mm-hmm. can plug into that offensive line and, and play. Uh, the Packers don't have a Lyle Collins, no. you know, no, uh, sitting not. on their bench. Uh, you know, to me, uh, Aaron Rodgers masks a lot of deficiencies, but I thought the Packers' offensive line played great last year. And if Absolutely. there's one thing, one thing about Rodgers that's been a problem for him in and out, uh, throughout his career is holding the ball too long. I know right. he makes incredible plays, but I know Packer fans have also seen plenty of times where he held the ball, held the ball, held the ball. Well, if you start getting pressure up the middle, it's a little bit different than getting pressure off the edge. And if you don't have good guard play, it's not only going to affect the pressure in Rogers face. It's going to affect what you want to do with Ty Montgomery uh, in that backfield. You know, to me, boy, if I'm the Dolphins though, I go sign TJ Lang and I kick Laramie Tunzel outside to tackle where right. he's supposed to play. Yep. And I give Jay Ajayi and Ryan Tannehill a heck of a lot of help. Yeah, that's absolutely. What I do. Well, and that's the other thing. There are, you know, there are so many teams. Now, obviously, this is going to be all dependent on how his knee checks out um, and all the other injuries he's been dealing with. But there are so many teams ready to just line up and throw money at TJ Lang. I mean, mm-hmm. he is going to make so much money, which is why. He should want to hit the open market. You know what I mean? Because this is his last chance, at his, his bite at the apple, and he is absolutely going to cash in. Why not? Uh, you know, you look at the market there at that position. Uh, Kevin Zeitler is the big name. Cincinnati right. I Bengals. think Zeitler is the one yeah. that we're really kind of the only guy I could really see maybe signing prior to TJ. Right. You've got TJ. You've got Ronald Leary. And, and, and the Cowboys offense has been better with Leary in the lineup, even if he is the – Maybe, I don't know that he's the weakest link. Maybe Doug Free is, but he's, right. he's not on the level of Travis Frederick and Zach Martin and, uh, you know, right. Tyron Smith. Uh, yep. But he'll let people be out there. I think Warford getting him from the Lions uh, would be interesting. Uh, you know, the only other position that I talked to you about on the phone was tight end. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't bring Cook back or if Cook decides he wants to go somewhere else, then – you got to get somebody. Now this draft is deep at tight end, but one name I just threw out for fun is Jack Doyle. If memory serves, made a couple clutch catches mm-hmm. at Lambeau in that mm-hmm. Colts road win. That was a, that was a shocker. Yeah, it was. And he's a free agent. You know, that's a guy that you can wait a while on. He's not going to go in the initial rush. You're not going to have to pay him. Right. And that way you can spend your capital on somebody who is serviceable that's the perfect example of a ted thompson type signing you know what i mean like that is the absolute kind of player that thompson would maybe dabble in even like bring in for a you know a look-see etc and maybe perhaps sign him because they are you know even if they do bring back cook they've still only got two tight ends essentially between him and richard rogers um yeah that kind of signing wouldn't surprise me at all but you did, as you mentioned, the draft is incredibly deep at the position. And we, if we know anything about the Packers, is that they're going to want to draft a guy and develop him in their own program. So that's just uh, that's how they roll. Well, you know, if I was better at being able to play that whole game, where did a guy go to college? I could say, <laughs> right. like, hey, Jack Doyle went to right. Wisconsin State, and he's got the connections. <laughs> Wisconsin and, State. I yeah, like it. I have, I have no idea if the guy went to DeVry. I have right. no idea. I, <laughs> No clue, you know, so. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, man, I love it. I'm talking to Elliot Harrison here on Nagler's Never Right. 
he's kicking it. Uh, you should check out people. He does a ton of great stuff over there at NFL Network and uh, and their YouTube channel. What is going on over there? It's like like you said, it's like the Wild West out there. You guys are throwing up anything you want over there. Well, it's cool because one thing about YouTube, you can do a lot longer stuff. And right. so uh, I just did like landing spots for uh, 10 big name free agents. The sucker was like eight minutes long, but it's cool because, you know, when you work in TV, you, you don't always have that kind of time to, to just spend some yarn about Jack Doyle, you know? So it's, <laughs> right. it's kind of nice, but I love doing the history stuff. I mean, that's really, and that's where you and I first got into the weeds is because I did a top right. 10 Packers list and you thought it was egregious. That I, I only, only, only that's it was just that one, just the one ranking. That was it. I, I, I quibbled with that, but I thought it was, I thought it was good overall. So who's the greatest Packer of all time? I was right complimentary, now. I think, um, of all time, a Green Bay Packer. Right now. It's Don Hudson. It's, uh, it's like, there's no question. And then number two is Bart Starr. Like, this is not even, this is, this is easy. Okay. Is, so while even... the rest of the country says that Aaron Rodgers is the oh, greatest. Please. Please. Yeah. Please. You're still taking so how of do you course. rank Star, Favre, and Rogers? Oh man. You know, Damashek did this to me this summer and in I think I caught untold amounts of hell uh because of my answer. Because I took Brett Favre between uh Favre and Rogers. I'll always take Star first. Always. Like okay. no question, A number one, the greatest quarterback to ever play uh in Green Bay, in my to my mind. But I I have always said I'll take Favre over Rodgers, if only because when I turn on my television or I go out to the ballpark and I watch a game of football, I want to see a guy like Brett Favre. Now, as amazing as Rodgers has been, Rodgers frustrates me way more watching his game than Favre ever frustrated me with all the interceptions. Because at least Favre was, like, trying to make something happen. And I know that's just stupid kind of sitting at the end of the bar – talking with your buddies kind of talk, but it's true. It's That's the thing I loved about watching him play football. And with Aaron, he's amazing. He does things that I don't think I've seen anybody else, you know, able to do on the football field at the quarterback position, and it's incredible. And when it's hot, it's hot as hell. But when he struggles and he's, he's not on his game, which we saw extensively in 2015 and earlier this year, it's just frustrating to watch in a way that, I, that Favre wasn't. At least to me. Yeah, I think that a guy like Aaron Rodgers can lure an organization or fans or whatever into thinking that a team can be completely quarterback centric. Right. And and I don't think that Brett Favre lured the Packers into that because of those faults that you talk about with right. the interceptions. They knew they had to play defense. They knew they still needed to run the football. And Mike Holmgren knew that he had to rein Brett Favre in sometimes. Right. Uh, you know, when I look at those guys, do I think that Rodgers has been – who's better at their best? I would say Rodgers. I would too. Uh, who's Absolutely. Been, who's, who's more consistently better? Uh, at their best, I would say Rodgers. Right. Who who uh, could completely toss your game plan out the freaking window as a defensive coordinator? I would say Favre. Mm-hmm. And who was, you know, look, if a player's best ability is availability, then it has to be Favre. Right. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years uh, with Rodgers. I, you know, I too think he's a great player in – this is really where it helps watching the entire game and not just red zone 
because, you know, Rogers always ends up with incredible numbers, mm-hmm. but you know, we talked about this yesterday. Matt Ryan and Tom Brady were far more consistent quarterbacks this year. Zero, zero question. Yes. And I think you could probably even make the argument for Derek Carr, even though Carr's numbers pale in comparison. It's, it's, it's like that thousand yard running back who (laughs) one week he runs for 210 yards and the next week he runs for 25 versus that guy that was like John Riggins who just gave you 80 to 90 every week. Yep. Uh, I think that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, it's similar. And it's it's hard because you don't want to discount anything Rodgers is doing because, like I said, especially during that hot streak, that eight-game winning streak, he was playing out of his freaking mind. Out you of know? his mind. You just wonder, though, you just wonder, where is that earlier in the year? Where is that in the Dallas game when he looked so atrocious? Where is that in the Colts game we were talking about when he's missing receivers and throwing guys, you know, throwing things into the dirt, a guy's feet, throwing dumb interceptions. I mean, that's not Aaron Rodgers. That's not the Aaron Rodgers we've known, you know? And then all of a sudden to turn it on and play so amazingly well for eight weeks, that's, it's a little, it's a little uh, confounding. Yeah. You know, I get into the graininess. I, I love, I love, uh, you know, NFL films and I love the, the history. I'm ready to put Rodgers over star only because, you know, Rodgers is a two-time MVP, uh, very close to getting more MVPs. He mm-hmm. may have had the greatest year quarterbacks ever had in 2011. And this, yeah, um, the 15 and one year. Yeah, and the competition. I'm not talking about the athletes because I don't buy into all the all those guys. Right, play right, today. right. Um, but you know, Bart Starr only had to go up uh, against 13 other teams, then like 15 other teams right. before the merger. I'm yep. talking about to win yep, those yep. championships. So I'm okay with, with that part of it. But the, the, the thing about Rogers that you're, you're talking about, whereas, you know, where is that earlier in the year? I posed this on NFL network and I took a little grief. I said, if this guy is that great, if he's the best player in the NFL, like everyone was saying after the Dallas game, mm-hmm. can you be the best player in the NFL? And in the middle of the year say, Hey, relax, I'll turn it on. I mean, I think, I think great players are able to be consistent and turn it on almost all the time. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's my thing. I, if you're the greatest player in the NFL, you should be consistently great. I don't think that I don't think that's I don't think that's above the board. I don't think that's asking too much. I don't think that's an outlandish statement. Um, I'm only going to go to what you were just talking about as far as putting Rodgers above star. I will only say this. Now, I recognize that my star thing is very emotionally driven. All right. I remember going to see the Packers play in Lambeau Field when I was three years old. That was my oldest memory in life. My grandfather took me for my very first game. So I recognize that my attachment to the franchise and the history growing up uh, with my grandpa, with my dad, it's all very emotionally connected. You know what I mean? And Bart Mm -hmm. Starr represents a lot of that. My connection to my family, my connection to my grandpa. I will only say this in defense of where I think this, where I can take emotion out of it and make a cogent argument for the greatness of his play comes when I'm watching old film of like, say the ice bowl or some of the other great performances where, and now he didn't have a great performance in that game, strictly speaking, but you look at the, the final drive to win that game, or you look at some of some of the amazing uh, games over the course of his career in championship moments in Moments where the elements are against him. He's playing against defenses that 
are allowed to absolutely murder his receivers all over the field. There are no mm -hmm. liberalized passing rules. He is absolutely, um, you know, very much so marshalling, marshal, you know, his forces down the field. And I put all of that above what I'm seeing from guys like Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, who, while amazing and are doing incredibly in, just amazing athletic things that I know Bart Starr probably couldn't do, to me, the degree of difficulty you talk about, yeah, there were fewer teams to go through, but the teams they were facing, uh, they were allowed to destroy offenses. They were allowed to destroy guys running down the field, and yet they still made it work, and, and Starr was you know, the guy who made it all go. So that's, uh, that, to me, is why uh, he'll always be the best. Do you have a boy, Daller, fathead? <laughs> Not yet, but now I'm going to have to order one. <laughs> I don't know if they make those. You know, I, I told uh, you uh, yesterday we were talking, and I, I said the 66 title game, I went and watched those throws for something I was working on. That was against the Cowboys. It was at the Cotton Bowl. It was the year before the Ice Bowl. It was a mm -hmm. much better game yeah. than the Ice Bowl. It's probably the most underrated game in NFL history. It was the game to send the Packers to Super Bowl one. Yeah. Uh, I think stars numbers from that day. They're like 19 at 28 for two ninety eight, four touchdowns, no picks. Uh, that's, that's a heck of a game. And if you look at stars 66 season, you go to profootballreference.com. Uh, I believe his passer rating was like one Oh four getting a hundred passer rating in 1966 <laughs> would be the equivalent of getting about oh, 120 it's so true passer rating now yeah yeah yeah, yeah so I, exactly i agree the man was a, the man was an assassin he just he, he doesn't get his due as a as a you know a player of the quarterback position but that's neither here nor there that's why i have smart people like you on to talk about it Do, have i sufficiently nerded out enough yeah, it's been great. Elliot, uh, I can't thank you enough for, for hopping on and giving me all this quality content uh, as kind of a content share there <laughs> between uh, PackersNews.com and NFL Network. I love it. Um, when is the, hey, when is the appropriate time for me to say that I rewatched the 83 Redskins Packers Monday Night Football 48 to 47 a few months back? It's always an appropriate time. That's that is that that game is included in the, the Packers greatest games selections that you can get off the iTunes uh, store, which I love. I watch, uh, it, I watch it at least once in offseason. It's it's a phenomenal game. Phenomenal word. game. Elliot Harrison from NFL Network. I can't thank you enough for jumping on here, man. Thanks a lot. You bet. Take care, man.